Queen of Women's Basketball Voices, LaChina Robinson, is here. It's the first of our Friday conversations. You are locked on women's basketball. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And a happy Friday conversation to you. I am Howard Magdala, editor, founder of The Naps and host of Locked On Women's Basketball. Obviously, I'm saying happy Friday. It is technically Wednesday as we're recording this, but we wanted to make sure that our Friday conversations began with LaChina Robinson. LaChina, I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you, Howard, and thank you for having me. I appreciate everything you do for our game, and I'm always uh, looking forward to an opportunity to connect with you and talk about our sport. Wow. You and me both with everything you do, and we're going to get into that. Uh, we are going to pay some bills first, and we're going to talk about Built Bar, which, by the way, has puffs now. They are protein-infused marshmallow. They contain 100% real chocolate, yet somehow 130 calories, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So I'm going to go grab one what, right as soon as this show is over. Make sure you go to Built.com. Use Locked15. For 15% off at Built.com, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Uh, take advantage of the uh, discount code the way my mom does. And so, as always, tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. So, it is the week of the WNBA draft. I was experiencing the joy of it remotely, unfortunately, as I'm still recovering from uh, COVID-19, which I contracted uh, back in Minneapolis. But I have not let that stop my enthusiasm. And I want to talk about what, LaChina, your voice means in this space specifically before we get into what it was like to experience the draft live. And so I want to put it in this way. There are three buckets of women's basketball commentators right now. And I'm, we all have these conversations. We have these private conversations. I'm just going to put it in a public view. There are the people who say things and you say, well, I don't think that person knows what he or she is talking about. Then there's the person who says something and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I disagree. And then there's the person who says something and you're like, what does she know that I don't know? And that is who LaChina Robinson is. So, LaChina, when you were talking about the Indiana fever uh, with Rebecca Lobo prior to this draft starting – I sat up and took notice. So let's start there. They had four of the top ten picks. How do you think they did in terms of fostering that identity you talked about was so important? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think that um, my knowledge over time and relationship with Lynn Dunn um, was kind of where I centered my thoughts on the Indiana fever. There was a change. Tamika Catchings decided to leave, and here comes Lynn Dunn. Um, who won a 2012 championship as the head coach of of the Fever. But Lynn has been consistently a builder throughout her career, even going back to her time on the college level. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited about what she will bring. But when I thought about what the identity of this Indiana Fever roster could look like, I thought about Lynn's successful team in 2012. And so what I knew about that team is that they played small, 
Um, they could switch one through four, even one through five with the Lady Larkins at the five. I knew that they hung their hat on the defensive end of the floor. They had Breon January to make the catchings on the same team. Like, are you kidding me? Um, and I knew that they were about toughness, right? Whether it was Shavante Zellis or even Katie Douglas as a shooter was one of the tougher shooters that, um, you know, that played in the WNBA and, and, and Larkins was just a brute on the inside. So, uh, you know, I just kind of relied on the history of what I knew about Lynn Dunn, and I thought when you look at her picks, they reflected exactly what we thought. I mean, mm-hmm. um, a disruptive defender in Emily Anksler who can you know, change the game with her tenacity on that end of the floor. I mean, she leads with defense, and um, that's something that you find is, is rather rare, right? Like in a draft like this, the top four is, is usually players that – um, have been leaders on the offensive end. Um, but, you know, when you think about Emily Inksler going forward, defense led for her. And then, um, you know, Lexi Hull is like a Katie Douglas, right? Like she's a shooter. She's got size. Um, I think some people were surprised by her pick. I did not have Lexi Hull going that high, but I do understand how she kind of fits in with what um, Lynn Dunn would be looking to do. And then another kind of surprise for some was was Queen Egbo. And, um, you know, for me, Queen has a great upside, but it's more about her athleticism and her body. I think she could be a, a could guard on the perimeter on a switch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's long. Um, you know, she will grow on the offensive end, but more than anything, I think she could be disruptive on defense. And Alyssa Smith was an obvious choice for Indiana because she was the best available. She was the best available player um, at that two spot. And I think when you look at the top three, those were all best available picks. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. And do you think in that order, too, in other words, do you think that was a function of one, two, three, or do you think that was a function of what Atlanta needed, what Indiana needed, and then ultimately what D.C. needed? Um, That's a good question. I do feel like each team got what they needed. Um, Do I think that if Indiana had number one, they would have taken Ryan Howard? I do believe that. Mm-hmm. To me, she is the – most versatile um, pro ready offensive player in this draft, which is hard to pass up when you're a building franchise. Um, But she was off the board. So Atlanta gets that instead. And um, Indiana got a four player. And when, again, thinking about the way they played through Tamika catchings, how important she was at that position for their organization. I think it's one that they wanted a superstar. Um, And and I think Nalissa Smith has um, some potential to do that. And then Washington, you know, they, they wanted Shakira Austin. And, you know, when you look at what Shakira can offer, this roster wasn't a very tall roster on the in, on the interior mm-hmm. uh, prior to drafting, drafting Austin. I think Elena Deladon was their, their tallest player at 6'5". So now you bring in another 6'5", but one that's you can put on the inside and defensively, you know, can give you that tenacity. Because I don't think you want to play Elena Deladon on the interior as much as you used to when you think about her back and that injury. So keeping her away from some of that physicality is, is a good thing. That's a great point. You know, Elaine is obviously capable of plenty of time at the three, but now it may be just a question of preservation as much as skill as well. So I, I agree with everything you said about those top three. And then Emily Angsler, I just, I love her game. I have loved her game since she was Miss uh, New York State High School basketball. And so just the way in which, there was this place she made it in South Carolina in the national semifinals where she essentially forced a steal with one hand and threw the ball ahead to herself to go ahead and finish. So as much as, yes, I totally agree, her defense is what leads. She generates so much of 
her own offense, and then those, those vital transition baskets, uh, which we know is going to be important for Indiana as they try and make up the gap. Do you think Indiana has made up enough of that gap that they are a potential playoff team this year, or are we still talking, you know, more of a two, three-year build for a roster that really is starting over in some fundamental ways? Yeah, I don't think Indiana's a playoff team. Um, and I say that because I think it takes a, a minute to, yes, build chemistry. Um, you know, when you when you think about, and, and this is assuming everyone is on the roster from at least that first round, mm-hmm. um, that's four players that you're now trying to incorporate one-third of your, your roster into the system. But there's also a lack of experience, right? Like, um, if you are going to rely heavily on the play of Melissa Smith and Emily Angsler, even just those two, um, you know, players that don't have WNBA experience, I think that's a, a high bar to, to put them in the playoffs at this point. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the talent level at every other team, um, you know, that you would consider a playoff team in the WNBA is stacked. I mean, we're talking about multiple all-stars and, and no disrespect to Indiana, but, um, you know, if if you're not going to have the talent on paper, you have to have the chemistry and the experience and um, it'll, it'll take a year or two, I think, at least for them to build that. Totally agree. I, I see 10 teams for eight spots, and I see Indiana and Atlanta is building toward what they, I'm sure, hope is, among other things, an opportunity to draft Aaliyah Boston in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> the game changer uh, fundamentally next year. So, Indiana, last thing before we leave Indiana, actually, Destiny Henderson mm-hmm. going at 20. Destiny Henderson, you know, just to lay it out for our, our listeners and our viewers, she shot 40% from three each of her final two seasons. She played elite defense. She has length for a guard on a championship team. She played for Dawn Staley, who prepares players for the pros, not just to win at South Carolina. Her going to 20, surprising, number one. And number two, uh, how much do you think she can contribute in Indiana? Shocking. Shocking. Um, I had Destiny Henderson pretty firmly in my top even eight. Um, I was surprised, you know, and here's the thing. Everything that I had seen from Destiny Henderson on the court um, spoke volumes, I think, to what I felt like she can contribute in the WNBA. Um, You know, just how poised and confident she is at that point guard spot, her speed. Um, you know, her playmaking ability, um, you know, her basketball IQ. And then she hit 55 three-pointers this year, which was a career high for her. So she's getting more comfortable taking the shots because I think it's one thing if you're efficient, but if you're not really, if you're only, you know, you're not shooting volume enough to keep the defense respectable, sometimes, you know, they're just like, oh, she's not going to shoot the three. She's not comfortable out there. Well, she she knocked it down. But I was shocked by that. And, you know, GMs and head coaches have conversations in advance of of the draft and, you know, they do their homework. So I'm not trying to say by any stretch of the imagination that I know what's better for anyone's one team or organization. But Henderson is a winner. And I believe that she could have a Jordan Canada type impact you know, at the at the next level with even more offensive capabilities. Um, and Jordan is not a starting point guard in this league, but I believe that she will be a starting point guard in this league. So if that, um, you know, is a comparison that maybe gives you an idea of where I think Henderson could be, I, I think she's an outstanding player. It does. And then the added part to me is just, like you said, you need to have that three to keep 
defense is honest. And, and that's been a struggle. And I've talked to Jordan about this, where she's wanted to turn her three ball into something that is at least enough of a weapon. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, the destiny comes in and she's got that already. Now, Jordan was a little bitter about getting to the rim in her mm-hmm. senior year at UCLA than destiny was. But to me, that's a big part of her game that's already coming in. I, I, I'm with you. I think it's going to be really interesting. And well, in, 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 in Destiny's defense, when you've got big Boston on the inside, you know, you're not really trying to get into her territory in the lane either. You know, I, I, I know UCLA has had some very successful and some very dominant post players, but Boston requires enough space to, to, to operate. So I don't know if that's all on, on Destiny. <laughs> oh, no, right. Listen, we love money fillings here, but, but yes. Aaliyah Boston is in a category all by herself. Aaliyah Boston has more win shares in each of her thir- first three years than Asia Wilson had in her first three years. And there's a literal statue of her in South Carolina, and rightly so. So that's, yeah, Boston. We'll be talking about, about Boston a lot on this show. But it isn't locked on fever. It is locked on women's basketball. So we should talk about some of the other teams, even though the fever had, and I I'm, might be misremembering this, 37 of the first round picks. But I think there <laughs> And I, so where, where I want to go, though, before we get into that, is just take me through what it was to be in the room. You you had, you know, I'm watching. Uh, I have you on as I'm uh, doing these Zoom pressers. And you had such a feel of joy, it seemed like, to be able to be part of it. Just, you know, what were some of your favorite interactions and what was that experience like for you? Well, what I will say, Howard, is I feel like Ryan asked us at the top of the show, um, you know, like, how it felt to be back together. And in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, the energy in this room is incredible. And it was because there was this buzz for, like, the last hour leading into the show of people coming in. They're looking great. They're hugging. There's, you know, games being played. There's pictures being taken. taken. And then as soon as the draft started, it was like a lot of that energy just kind of dissipated Mm -hmm. because of the nerves, right? Like, all of a sudden, everyone's like – you know, I'm sure the draftees were, the prospects were nervous and their families. And so the energy didn't change a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, wow. I mean, Howard, it, you know, this, it is so important for our sport in particular to have moments where we can come together, right? Like um, I always say that we need more events where all levels of the game can be brought into one room. I mean, we had Lisa Leslie in the room, um, you know, spending time with the next generation. We had Don Staley there, the president of the of the WNBA Players Association. Neka Gumake is in the room. You know, um, it, it was just member, like active members of the WNBA, whether it's Hamby or Laney. It was just it felt like a big reunion and. Sometimes in our sport, especially on the media side, you know, we get kind of into our own silos. We cover this team, you know, it, the money is not always there for us to travel to every event. Maybe some media go to all-star, some don't, some go to final, some don't. So um, for even all of us to be together again and, you know, to see each other and that collective energy for our sport, is just, it's great, you know. Um, and even though there were moments of past virtual drafts that you could appreciate, like, Michaela Anyanwede's grandmother, like, do we have that moment if we're not in the home? Do we have Renaya Davis commentating her own highlights if we're not in her living room? No. And those were moments that we all enjoyed and I would love to have again. But there is something about just being in the room and the togetherness and the energy that, to me, um, was so special on Monday night. 
that that it is it is the zeitgeist of those times to have it. But I know we're all obviously eager to be gathering in person and, and even just, you know, in Minneapolis when there were so many people there as well, you know, and the players were there, you say basketball was there, just having these conversations where it's just, oh, this is so much better. This is so much yes. better. Than, than so yes. Yeah. We got spoiled because we got to do it at the final four and the draft. So exactly. exactly <laughs> we, were, right. we were very lucky. Here's to many more like that. And yes. so somebody who was there and there were two there, Actually, one who got picked, like you said, at two, and Alyssa Smith, and one who came later in Nas Hillman. And she was the other big standout for me in the second round of somebody who I understand why she dropped. This is a player who is, in a lot of people's eyes, undersized height-wise when it comes to what she's able to do. Uh, Somebody who, having covered her and covered her in person, her wingspan, to my mind, makes up for that in a fundamental way. Uh, Naz, uh, Naz also knows what needs to happen next. She knows she needs to expand her perimeter game and, you know, to be a true four in this league. But she gave this answer in the press conference where somebody asked about uh, her slipping to the second round. And she talked about how she didn't want to uh, dishonor people whose names weren't even being called at all. And it was just this this larger understanding of the moment that as Atlanta, and I know I've talked to Dan Pat over about this, this is their culture year. This is building the culture down there. It just is, all right, so this is this is the right person for the moment as well. Uh, did you have uh, any thoughts about sort of both her falling and just what she brings to the WNBA, to our community, you know? 100%, Howard. Um, she is definitely someone that I thought would go late uh, first round, early second. I saw her as a possibility for the Indiana Fever, mm-hmm. um, just, again, because of her relentless style and her tenacity. I, I kind of felt like, but you can never guarantee, that Lynn could have taken Nas um, where she took Lexi and maybe gotten Lexi with a with a later pick. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you don't, you don't know all those things. And, and position wise, obviously she had already, you know, made, made a couple of picks at that four spot, but, um, you know, Nas is important to our, to our sport. And the reason being that, you know, there are players who may not meet the eye test of, you know, this is the quintessential four player that, you know, can stretch the floor and rebound and, you know, the Brianna Stewart's and the Asia Wilson's of the world, but it doesn't mean that she won't have a great WNBA career. And I think what a player like Nas Hillman allows you to do is understand the importance of different types of players that have to come together in this puzzle of a championship contender. So I would say examples of that, um, would be like an Elena Larkins, right? Going back to the Indiana, Indiana Fever. On paper, you're not saying this is going to be the starting center for the Indiana Fever, you know, right. um, you know, in their championship run. Um, but she just had the intangibles, whether it's the relentless effort or uh, the energy that shifts the momentum for your team. And I thought that that was something that um, this draft had a lot of, is players that could come into the game and shift the momentum and the energy of the game with what they do best. Like, they could be a star in their role. Like, is Nas ever going to be a first-team all-WNBA selection? I don't know that. But on paper, does it look like it's going to happen tomorrow? Right. However, what she can do is come in and be an integral part in a, in a building piece to the success of an organization. And when you look at Atlanta, when you're building winning culture mm-hmm. – it all starts with attitude, 
with character, with your approach to the game, with leadership. Like those are the things that Tanisha Wright has consistently talked about. And so Nas embodies all of that. So she's just very special in, in not only her approach, and I heard her, her answer to that, that question, and I just, it melted my heart. Um, but you need players like that that understand that it's bigger than them, right, mm-hmm. um, that think about the big picture and are maybe not as focused on, you know, individual success to, to really help an organization like Atlanta get off the ground. Uh, and the last two things I will say about her, the rebound rate was elite. It was incredible. Tough. It wasn't just elite because she was working, although it was very much that. It's also because those are some raw physical skills. You know, if you're six yeah. one, but your uh, your reach is significantly beyond that, and your wingspan is six seven six eight, which is what I think it is. Uh, you were talking about a different thing. Now, now we need those stats, by the way, on the WNBA side. Of the way they are readily available on the NBA side. Right. Um, so something I, I looked know. up Antonelli, but it it cannot be up to De- Debbie Antonelli alone to go measure. Right, to go and do all of that, which she's That's yeah, right. she's willing to do. But you know, and in, in even talking about what Nas can become, you know, say the four spot is 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 not easy, right? Like it <laughs> size wise, um, she could be a Lacoe Willingham, she can be an Alicia Clark. You know, Alicia Clark spent a majority of her college career playing in the low block as an undersized four, and look what she did as a stretch three. So, you know, Nas's work ethic lends itself to a player who can definitely improve her ceiling on the offensive end and, and move it to the perimeter, which I think would give her even more success and longevity at the next level. I'm going to lay this marker down. If you were to give me a wager, is Nas Hillman in the lead in 10 years or not? I would wager yes. And I, I would wager yes. Yeah, I, 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 I would as well. I think that's who she is. I'm going to pay uh, one more set of bills, and then we're going to uh, talk about uh, something that is bigger than basketball and something that you and I take very seriously. Uh, but first... BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Something that matters to me, though I am not a betting man, even though I just said I would bet on Nas, I meant it metaphorically, but is that BetOnline has women's basketball, that BetOnline has the NCAA, and that BetOnline has the WNBA. Uh, I was in a Final Four press conference years ago where Gina Oriema said that we're not going to bridge that gap in terms of coverage, in terms of eyeballs, until you, it is as easy to bet on women's sports as men's sports. So I do believe in that. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. And so I want to talk about now some people who you bet on again and again and again. And, and something I, I, I can't stress this enough. There are people in our business who are there for themselves. And there are people in this business who extend the ladder down. And it's something that I really am passionate about. And I am passionate about uplifting those who do it as well. Nobody's better at it than you are, LaChina. And you have the Rising Stars program. And I just, you know, we were talking about it off air before we came on here. And, again, it's not just that you are there for them uh, for a brief moment. You're there for them always, and they become stars. You identify that talent, and you help them come through. So let's go through. I just Andrea Carter, who is as good as anybody in this business, right? I mean, somebody you see as part of women's basketball coverage at ESPN um, is is part of the Rising Stars program, right? But take me through just like – why, when, and the how of it, 
And and also, you know, let's start up top by letting people know how they can, A, get involved and B, support. Thank you so much, Howard. Um, I appreciate this time to talk about Rising Media Stars. And I just want to say, first and foremost, I appreciate your work in this space because there's so many that are covering women's basketball um, that got their start with you. Uh, whether that was in writing, you know, I think about even Ari, someone who is so important to our sport. I first got to know through some of the things she was doing with you. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry. I just said Ari Chambers is so important. So important, always so important. But so I know that you and I are passionate about the same work, and I'm, I'm grateful that um, you recognize the, the need. But even as, you know, and, and I don't want to say you identify as a white male, but um, as a non-black male, and someone who is looking to a community that is not their own and is willing to recognize that there's a disparity and use your resources to make a difference. And we need more of that. Um, we need, you know, more voices like yours and, and more men to speak up, not only about um, issues that affect black and brown people, but about women, you know, in general. So thank you. Um, you know, I got to a point where, and I, and I, and I have, had a, a tremendous career far beyond what I could have ever imagined. Um, and not to say that it's over, but I was someone who um, just wanted to grow the sport that had done so much for me. Right. But I also recognized that um, there weren't very many faces like mine. And so as I was getting into this business, it was like, okay, I want to make my mark. But I know there's Carolyn Peck, and I've seen Vera Jones, and um, you know even Robin Roberts. But Robin had moved on at that point. I was like, well, this could this could be a little challenging, you know, that I wasn't the face that people were expecting to see um, when they turned on their women's basketball coverage. And getting into the business was definitely a challenge, as you can imagine, um, Howard. And I I had all of those women and more that were willing to reach back and help me, but it's about changing the mindset of what Black women are capable of in a media space, uh, whether it's our, our knowledge or our preparedness, just our capabilities, even our look. Um, society is not used to and often undervalues. And so um, I wanted to, I got to the point in my career where I was like, okay, listen, I'm, I'm sitting beside Rebecca Lobo covering the WNBA finals in the, in the, in the draft. She's a hall of famer. Carol Lawson is a future, you know, Naismith hall of famer. Um, you know, these are the people that I'm either sitting beside or, you know, next up with. And I'm like, I didn't even play in the NCAA tournament, Howard. Like, this is just how this is ever happening. I don't even, I don't even understand. So I'm living my dream, and I just got to the point where I was like, you know, I've done so many things that I would have never dreamed. I want to help other people do the same, you know, that look like me, other young women that may have hit that point that I hit trying to get in this business and saying, this looks scary, or this looks daunting, or this looks like something that I'm not going to be able to do simply because of who I am or how I look or what I represent in society. And so um, I had always had young women asking me to shadow and you know, I want to get into this business, and this is just women in general. Um, and so I was spreading myself a little thin, trying to help so many because there's such a great need. And I would have them come and shadow me at games, and we would have coffee and talk about their aspirations. But it was like, this list is getting long. So I partnered with um, Kevin Nixon, who's our our co-founder, mm-hmm. and we started Rising Media Stars. And it's it's a nonprofit where we take five young women every year. And we basically give them the resources, the tools, the network to be able to make headway in the field of of sports broadcasting. 
Um, you know, and, and women of color often need that, that leg up as you obviously understand. Um, and so it's, it's fun. We actually partner with four sports teams in the Atlanta market, the Dream United, um, the Falcons and the Hawks, and they cover those teams. Like they actually get to do stand-ups and half times and interviews. And so now they have something they can put on their reel and take to a potential employer. Mm-hmm. Um, when in most cases, people will say, oh, you know what? You don't have any experience. Well, where am I going to get that experience? And we're hoping that they get some tangible opportunities with us. Uh, we also, you know, we have classroom sessions where we talk about finances and mental health and how to ask the proper questions in an interview and how to dress and all of those things. Um, and we have fun. You know, it's a, it's a fun time. And, yes, Andrea and Zora and Isis, who are three names that I think a lot of people would know in the women's space in particular. Uh, Marquis Freeman is another one that does space in women's basketball. But we can't take any credit for them. I mean, they came into our program, Stars, Howard. So as you mentioned, I'm looking at Andrea working the Final Four. People are like, oh, she was in Rise Media Stars. I'm like, listen, Andrea would have gotten there on her own. Like, she's just that good and such a natural and such a great talent. Um, but I think that they appreciate the sisterhood, right? Like having other women to go through this with, having a mentor they could call no matter what time of the night, and they know I'm going to do my best to help them in any situation. To me, that's the most special part of, of kind of what we hope Rising Media Stars does and serves as a pipeline. We're having a lot of conversations with different networks that are looking for, um, you know, the next up. And, um, you know, we, we definitely feel like we have a good blueprint and have a couple of women that have, um, you know, had that next level of success that we're doing some things that hopefully are helping. I, I mean, I love it. It's funny you say that. And, and Ari Chambers is always so sweet about uh, her background with me and, and, and working together. And I always say that to Ari. I mean, it's, you know, you spend 10 minutes with Ari and you just say, all right, it's stardom. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. I've been yeah. since 2016 and here she is, which is an amazing thing. But even somebody like Isis Young where, you know, she played ball and she was already looking for a way to get reps. And that's, you know, what we do with the next. Uh, and to be frank, that was part of our partnership with Lockdown Women's Basketball was the idea, well, if we're doing this daily, I don't want it to be, uh, my voice. I want to make sure that I'm giving another platform for the people who are at the next, you know, particularly women and women of color, the opportunity to be on air too. And it's about getting the chance to cover the sport at a time where we are still, it's growing, but still the reps, the regular opportunities are limited. And we know it's so much about getting in front of that camera. It's so much getting into those press conferences, coming with copy and saying, all right, what does your lead look like? And being able to write in that way uh, where you've covered it. So, you know, and you also in the next press conference, you know, the thing to ask, the thing to listen to. I mean, there's just all these little details that yeah. being able to go through them uh, is, is amazing. And then for you to be able to connect people to the greater networks and making sure that, like you said, it's about the pipeline and it's basically the reverse, right? I'm sitting here saying, how do I make sure the next generation has fewer faces that look like me and that we have a diversity of talent? I remember you said to me, it was a few years ago, we were just on a phone call, and you're like, it seems like this is not an accident in what you're doing. And I was like, no, no, China, it's not an accident. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're headed. So um, I'm really passionate about it with you and to be able to yeah. see it, uh, to see it happening and see these tangible results every year uh, it, it just means the world. How do people support it? It's a nonprofit. What can people do to make sure that Rising Media Stars gets the support it needs? 
Yeah, so we are a nonprofit, um, 100% volunteer organization. Um, 100% of what's donated goes right to our program. Um, and they can donate, risingmediastars.org, because we want to do even more for these women. I mean, we talk about our partnerships with the Atlanta sports teams, but, you know, we want to be able to pay for other experiences, whether it's NABJ or, you know, we just have all these ideas. We want them to be covering the Final Four. Or we're working on a partnership with the NCAA and, you know, some other organizations to kind of broaden our, our, our footprint a little bit. Um, so, yeah, every donation helps. And then we, we want to take this blueprint from Atlanta to different cities, whether it's Chicago or Charlotte. Um, we think it's something that can really work in other markets. So risingmediastars.org. And then follow all of our stars, you know, watch their work and, um, you know, tell them how much you enjoy them. If that's the case, like these young women need to be built up and and to know that there is a space in this world for them. And, um, you know, I think the support for them is probably the, the most important aspect of it for me. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, we're here for it. We are here to amplify the China. We are here to amplify you always and Thank cannot you. Wait to see you in and around and during the WNBA season. But uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to chat with you whenever we can, considering how much you have going on. So thank you for taking the time. Anytime for you, Howard. And thank you so, so much for your work that you do for women's basketball. The consistency of it is everything. I mean, literally, I get your, your newsletter, um, you know, and, and, like, I can keep in touch with what's going on and what's the latest news and the latest moves and all of that. Like, it's so important. Your voice and everything you're doing is, seriously, we would not be seeing the growth of our sport if it wasn't. It's not just the ESPNs of the world where the ratings are growing. It's all of the different platforms that are using whatever audience they have, whatever resources they have to, to speak to women's basketball, to grow our game. That is why we're growing because of – Locked on Women's Basketball, Howard Megdal, and, and all that you're doing for our sports. So thank you so much. It, it is my team. My team put together eight stories yesterday. Eight stories yesterday. It's And more to come. Gr- grinding it out. I love oh, it. We got it. We got it. <laughs> well, thank you. are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.